destigmatizing the whole net process, I think is really important. You know, encouraging people to speak out of like, this is my experience. This is my lived experience and championing those lived experiences, regardless of whether it's weight loss or anything else is so important because I think hearing those stories helps normalize those lived experiences. Welcome to The Work In Between, the podcast that explores the topics and daily actions that get us to our health-related goals. Whether you're trying to lose weight, get more fit, or improve your mental, emotional, or spiritual health, you're in the right place. In 2021, I was diagnosed with diabetes and was morbidly obese. I was already a three-time cancer survivor, so I knew I had to do something to turn my life around. So I did. I lost over 100 pounds, began transforming my life inside and out. I'm living my most purposeful and intentional life, and I want you to live yours too. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Gretchen Holmes, and this is The Work In Between. And now part two of my conversation with Dr. Monica Kindy. What surprised you the most about yourself after you lost all the weight that you lost? What did you learn about you that you didn't know? everything, <laughs> everything, just gaining a personal style. Like, what do I want to wear? What do I enjoy wearing? I came from a place where I would have to order all of my clothes out of a catalog because I needed 6X clothes and I just bought what I could find to now cultivating who I am on the outside but also, you know, finding out, discovering who I was on the inside too. Like, what do I like to do? What do I enjoy doing versus what am I limited to do? Yeah, that's a really different question. What do I want to do versus of my limited choices? What can, can I do? Yeah. Big difference. And Very I think big. anybody who's not been limited by those types of limitations don't understand what we have to tell ourselves in our heads that this is okay, that this is normal, that this is this is a good life. I thought I wasn't self-censoring in my life. I thought I was living a fully engaged life until I lost a lot of weight. And I realized I had been self-censoring all along. The fear of the what ifs, like, am I going to fit in this space? Are they going to have chairs that can accommodate my size? Are the chairs going to have armrests? Those are questions that I asked myself all the time, every time. I didn't realize that was my norm until it no longer was. And to not have those limitations in place now, I still find myself side-eyeing chairs. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty narrow chair. And I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't matter to me now. So it's just funny that like, those habits, that kind of lifestyle, that way of living doesn't die easily. No. And in fact, when I fly, I still, there's a little muscle memory that says, oh, I hope the seats are going to be big enough. Well, of course they're big enough. I'm fine. I'm normal. size. I mean, I'm a healthy size, but boy, I spent a lot more time not being a healthy size. And so that automatically will flicker just a second 
and then I catch myself. Yeah. The first time I flew and didn't need a seatbelt extender. Well, first of all, I never flew when I was at my heaviest because I was a grad student. I couldn't afford two seats, but then I did fly heavier. And, but the first time I flew and I didn't need a seatbelt extender, I cried. I took a picture of my seatbelt and I sent it to my husband and it was a moment for me. And again, celebrating those victories along the way is very important. And I've made an effort to not take for granted all of the things that I'm able to enjoy now, because that for me is a really important reminder of how far I've come and how critical it is for me to not go back to that. Yeah, one of the biggest moments I had, and I'm 60 years old, and I bought my very first pair of Wrangler blue jeans off the shelf in a store, put them on, and they were a slim fit. My husband happened to be with me. I about lost my mind. I was dancing. I was screaming. I was jumping around. That was one of the greatest moments I've had in a long time. I bought three pair. It was crazy for me. I would have never imagined I could wear just regular old Wrangler jeans, not stretch, not from a catalog, just right walked in the store, took it right off the shelf. That's huge. That's awesome. Congrats. I truly was doing the happy dance and I love all the celebrations that you did along the way. I too broke things down into small increments because I found it so overwhelming all the time. There's no way to even get your head around the enormity of what we have to do. And I think breaking it down into very doable things and living it one day, one meal, one moment at a time is what I think all of us, no matter how much weight we have to lose, if we're overwhelmed, that's kind of how we have to do it. So do you remember a moment during your recovery after your surgery where the image of yourself started to change? Oh my gosh. I don't know that it was any one moment. And I can share pretty candidly now that I still have those moments where I kind of do that second look or I'm on a Zoom call and I'm in a conference room and I'm like, who is that? Oh, that's me. Or I go to a store and I always pick the wrong size. I always pick a size that's too big. And so I still struggle with the body dysmorphia quite a bit because I still coming to terms with who I am now, but Along the way, I don't know that it was any, it was definitely a gradual shift of finally like realizing, you know, what I was becoming physically that definitely I'm still working on. Well, it's not a simple process either uh, to go from identifying as a fat person, myself right there with you, to a healthy or a thin person. I mean, we can't just flip a switch. And I think some people do struggle more with that. When I lost, I never thought of myself as as heavy as I was. I too didn't recognize the first time I did a Zoom call and saw myself on screen. I spent most of the time staring at myself. I wasn't even paying attention to what we were supposed to be talking about. I was shocked that that's what I looked like because that was not how I saw myself. 
did you have to do some intentional work around your identity and how you saw yourself? Or was it something that kind of just gradually started to kind of heal and, and emerge? Gosh, that's a really difficult question. I had always had long hair and it was always kind of my shroud. My face was so round and it just kind of hid me from the world a bit. But as I lost weight and I gained a little bit of shape in my face, I, you know, I cut my hair yeah. and I just kept getting shorter and shorter to what you see now. It's, it's a kind of a pixie cut and it's just part of my identity now. Like, I don't think I'll ever have long hair again. And I don't know if it's because my hair now suits me or if it's because I have attributed that longer hair to my shroud, to who I was. I'm still trying to figure out, like, is this who I am now or is this me compensating for who I was and trying to create that distance of, you know, I'm not that person anymore. That's, I feel, a really complicated thing to understand still. Yeah, I think there's a lot to unravel there. Is there anything specific that you really struggle with after all of this time that bugs you? Losing 340 pounds is not without its challenges. Loose skin. Anybody that's lost any amount of weight knows about that. I was very lucky in that my insurance actually covered one of my loose skin procedures. So the panicolectomy, the lower abdominal flap that many super morbidly obese, particularly women have, I had so many struggles associated with that. My insurance covered my panicolectomy. I paid out of pocket for my brachioplasty, which is removing the skin from my arms. Uh -huh. That was the best money I've ever spent in my entire life. But also, you know, going to the pool with my kids, even just two weekends ago, and feeling comfortable in my body, but knowing that my body doesn't look like everybody else's body and having little kids comment on my legs. Again, it's one of those reminders of where you've come from. And yeah. would I trade who I am now and the life that I live now and the loose skin and the weird looking legs for what I was then? Not in a million years because I'm able to enjoy my life and enjoy my children and my family in a way that I would never have been able to. 340 pounds ago. Yeah, it is something that we don't talk about very much. And it is a thing. I mean, we all have to deal with it some in much more extreme circumstances than others. Unless you're going through it, it's hard to describe all of those conversations that we have in our heads about it. I'm with you. I wouldn't change a thing. I, I absolutely wouldn't. So we don't hear very often from people who have lost hundreds of pounds like yourself. I mean, it's extraordinary. Your story is absolutely extraordinary. I think as a culture, we have put way too much effort in silencing those voices. Anybody who doesn't fit into our idea of what healthy or aesthetically pleasing or whatever the metrics are, the criteria. How do we help elevate the voices of those who are in the situation you were in? I think destigmatizing all of it, recognizing that people in those super morbidly obese bodies are indeed people. They are deserving of respect and love and compassion and empathy just as much as anybody else. They're not inherently less than, but then 
people who choose to have a surgical procedure to better themselves, they're not taking the easy way out. You know, they're making the right choice for them. And then people who are living a different life, having lost 340 pounds, whose bodies look inherently different, they're not less than. And so just destigmatizing the whole net process, I think is really important, you know, encouraging people to speak out of like, this is my experience. This is my lived experience and championing those lived experiences, regardless of whether it's weight loss or anything else is so important because I think hearing those stories helps normalize those lived experiences and it encourages people to share those experiences, but it also really requires that those people who are hearing those lived experiences develop some compassion and some empathy and some understanding that they wouldn't have otherwise had to find. I think that's probably the most important part. I agree with you 100%. And I think there is more awareness, slowly but surely. I think we are doing a better job, I think, in getting people's stories out there. Because stories are powerful. And on one hand, we always hope that it helps inspire and give hope and provide support for those who are experiencing similar things. But on the other hand, I really hope that those who tend to be judgmental and tend to make those comments that are inappropriate and treat people less than will start to hear the human side of these lived experiences because people have feelings and they hurt and nobody likes to be treated as less than for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you kept it off all these years? I know you had a bit of a bump and then you had to lose it again. Uh, what are your tried and true like self-care routines and or preventative actions that kind of keep you happy and healthy and, and on the right track? I move when I can and it doesn't require going to the gym. Like I don't have to do anything special to find opportunities to move my body. I consider every time I do something physically that I wouldn't have been able to do 10 years ago, that's a celebration in and of itself. So Every time I have that chance to, and I do, I make the effort to at least in my mind have that intentional of like, wow, this is really cool that I'm doing this. So there's that. Something as simple as I never drink my calories. I drink water. I drink the occasional diet pop. I'm sober. I don't drink alcohol anymore at all. And so that's just something kind of easy and tangible that I can control that I know is helping me in the long run continue to achieve my goals. What else do I do? Do you have uh, any self-care routines? Like are there meditation or practicing mindfulness? How do you treat yourself? Admittedly, I am horrible at self-care. I am a professional. I work a lot. I have three kids under seven. Oh my goodness. Uh, so there's not a lot of opportunities for me. I get my nails done. That is time, even sitting in a chair that I'm not doing anything else. I can't do yep. anything else, right? Yeah. And so it's time out of my house. It's time away from my kids. That is me time. And even things like I really enjoy 
discovering who I am now, finding out, you know, what clothes suit me. What is my image? What do I Mm -hmm. want to put out to the world as to who I am now? Now that I have the ability to control that, that's kind of one thing that I do for myself. My therapist would be really annoyed with me by saying that I'm terrible at self-care because he's always intentionality, you know, meditation. I'm getting there. I feel like I make little bitty strides ever so often where I'm like, I get to go tell my therapist that I did this today. So I would argue that being intentional in cultivating how we want to be seen and how we want to present ourselves to the world, that is self-care because that is something we have never been able to do before because I do the same thing and it gives me great joy in being able to have choices and to be intentional about how I move through the world. And that is self-care. Yes. I love that intentionality about how I move through the world. I've used that phrase so many times. And again, unless you've lived it, unless you've had a lived experience where you don't have that control, you don't realize how easy it is to take that for granted. Agreed. Monica, your story is going to help so many people who are struggling, who are just trying to get through the day who are looking for hope, for inspiration. I mean, they're going to find it in your story. So I don't think thank you is enough. I feel incredibly honored to have been able to talk with you and hear your story as you shared all of your experiences, your resilience and your determination, but mainly your spirit. I mean, I just, it has been nothing but a joy to sit and talk with you I do hope you'll come on and talk with me again. But in the meantime, thank you so, so very much for sharing your story with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me and for providing this opportunity for me to share my lived experience. And I do hope that it cultivates hope in somebody. You're never too far gone to better yourself and to get to the point where you can live with intentionality. So thank you for giving me the venue to share. Thank you so much. What about you? What resonated with you the most about Monica's story? What else would you like to know? I'd love to hear from you. So send me your questions or comments at www.gretchenholmesphd.com. You'll find my previous podcasts along with additional information to help you on your journey to good health. You can also sign up for podcast alerts and upcoming events. Finally, from me to you, remember to love and celebrate yourself now, today. Don't wait until you feel worthy. You already are. Loving yourself is the only way to good health. Until next time. The information on this podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. 